0: Hey, Dan said props, too, and you guys really bounced the room out. It was really bothering him. (laughs) If you don't know, it's so funny, Dan. He really is particular. Things bother him. (laughs) So, you know, so that's right. That's right. You know, that was my first amen of the day. So I think that uh, you can use that against him or to encourage him. Okay. You do what you want with it. Uh, Well, we're glad you're here. You know, we we did something a little different last week too. When we were in uh, in the other room, the big room over there, Um, we spent some time talking about Mother's Day and stuff. But today, we're going to get back into the series we've been spending uh, last few weeks on. Right? We've been kind of in and out of it a few times for Mother's Day. We're going to probably hop out again at Father's Day, but uh, for the Dad's Day extravaganza. But uh, for now, we're going to get back into the series um, uh, in First John and. I, I, this book, and I hope you've been reading it. You know, I know it's been a while. We've been saying, "Read First John." Just read First John. This book is so rich with things that will just change your life. Uh, the Bible is, the Book of First John is, the Gospel of John, um, really just changes everything the good news of Jesus, but I, I did want to kind of n- note a connection. L- last week, we, we spent some time, uh, we had a Mother's Day extravaganza. Uh, it was awesome. Had The uh, whole other room was completely changed. Had tablecloths and, and uh, lots of good stuff, and it was awesome time, and, but we spent some time talking about a couple of brothers. Um, who remembers what, who they were? It was um, yeah, Jacob and Esau, right? Jacob the heel grabber and Esau, the older brother, right, who gets robbed of his birthright. And so we spent some time talking about brothers, and it was kind of interesting because uh, we're going to talk about a couple more brothers today out of First John. And if you've been reading long, you probably know where we're at in that, but I just wanted to kind of tell you that. But I, as we get into it, I wanted to ask a question because I think sometimes we can get so far myself included, ahead of ourselves into pressing on to the next thing that we don't ever finish the last things. You know what I mean? I mean, we can spend so much time uh, talking about the Word, reading the Word, preaching the Word, to never live the Word. And, and that's a real problem, and First John addresses it head on. And so I, I wanted to ask a question, because two weeks ago we were talking about continually sinning. Uh, continually sinning and keep returning to those same patterns of behavior that have been so destructive for so long in our lives. And I just didn't, you know, I felt myself as I got back into 1 John, I, I, I thought, man, did I, did anything happen over the last two weeks that my life is different because of the gospel of Jesus? Because I believe the gospel transforms lives. It doesn't leave you where you are. I just don't believe that about it. And, and I've not experienced that. And so I, I wanted to bring that up as we get back into it, that we don't rush off. I, I hope that you've been wrestling with some things that maybe you continually find in your life because as we talked about that week, all of us have sinned. And, 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 but... In the book of 1 John, it tells us that we shouldn't continually sin. We, could, we shouldn't keep going back to those same patterns if we have Jesus in our lives. He should move us past those patterns in some way. It's not us, it's him, but it should happen. And so I wanted to kind of bring that to mind as we got into it this morning. We're picking up right there where we left off with this idea of continually sinning. And he's going to kind of bring out this major theme in the book of 1 John today, but I wanted to bring that to mind. I would encourage you not to move on until you've really started to flesh that out in your life. And I'm gonna try to do the same thing. I'm gonna try to stick on some of these things and really see where the difference is made before we just run on through the book. It's not about clicking off Sundays. It's not about finishing a series. It's not about a badge on your shirt that says I've read the whole Bible. It's the word of God that's lived out that changes everything. And that's what I wanna do and I hope that you do too. It's called discipleship. And, and I pray that by the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, that that happens in our life, that we will see those fruit bore in his time. So I just wanted to remind you of where we were two weeks ago before we kind of took the hiatus for Mother's Day as well. But today we're going to continue on in this series, Life in Christ, and we're going to talk about um, two more brothers, and uh, these brothers are, you've probably heard of them, they're actually older in the the Bible than the brothers we talked about, Jacob and Esau, and this is Cain and Abel, right? We're going to talk about the Cain and Abel story today because John talks about the Cain and Abel story. But before we get into the Word this morning, um, I'm going to invite us to pray. I believe this is the way we always enter Scripture. It's God's holy Word, and we enter with His permission and His Spirit. So I would invite you to pray with me as well. Father, this morning we've come in here and it's just been so glorious. What a great morning to see the work you're doing. What a great morning just to wake up and to be able to be in your creation and then to be gathered with the people who are seeking after you, who've who've heard truth in Jesus, they've heard nowhere else, Lord. We give you this time to continue that growth and that journey We pray, Lord, from our own hearts that we would be open to your truth, that we would let it confront us where we need to be confronted, transform us in all the ways we need to be transformed, and that we'd be found more like your son Jesus because of our time spent with you. We love you and we thank you. We pray that your word is open to us today by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this morning for the children that have gone back for the BLAST program and the BLAST teachers who are just pouring themselves out that you will be working back there as well. You are so good to us, and we love you because you loved us. We pray these things in the mighty and powerful name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. So if you want to, I'm going to see if I can push this guy here, and this is working good. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and turn to the first, um, first John. But I uh, actually hold that up one second before we get into this. I, I wanted to talk we're, you can start thumbing the first John if you want to. But I wanted to, I did want to show you this because uh, every time. I think of this passage, and a matter of fact, the book of John in some ways, right, there's this theme that comes out, that comes out repeatedly, and the, the, what came to mind for me is this mental image that I'm going to share with you, you probably have seen it as well, and so I'm going to ask you, hopefully you can see it again with the lights on, it's kind of light, pretty bright in here, but check out the screen, and let's, I want you to watch this with me. Cool that you're getting married Saturday. So where'd you guys meet? Uh, here you he go, uh, we met at that uh, Fat Farm spa resort thing. Uh, Beverly was one of the trainers. In fact, she was the only one of the trainers. I didn't want to plant six feet under a lettuce patch. <laughs> Wait, till you hear this. Wait till you hear this, Tommy. She's got a son. He, he worked at the spa, too. I, I met him. He's a terrific guy. You're really going to like him. He's coming here today for the wedding. Tommy, it sounds funny saying this, but my son is going to be your new brother. Brother? I'm going to have a brother? <laughs> I've always dreamed about having a brother. Speak of the devil. brother! Brother? I'm Paul. You must be Tommy. Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers gotta hug. And see, I don't know if it's because I was an only child, but I can so identify with that moment right there. Brothers got a hug, you know what I'm saying? Uh, That's such a cool, cool moment. And so when we think about brothers, even though we read last week, we heard from the word about how... um, those brothers fought their whole life there's this there's this idea that man it'd be so cool to have a brother who loves you it'd be so awesome to be growing together and so I'm going to invite you to go ahead and turn in your Bible if you haven't already to 1 John chapter 3 verse 11 we're going to cover 11 through 16 today if you didn't bring a Bible we have them on the end of the benches and the end of the rows down here they're little kind of paperbacks and that's on page 845 I would encourage you to grab one and look that up and then I just want to kind of talk through it a little bit, but. It, it, it's all going to talk about this, uh, this brotherly relationship that we find in Christ. This is what it says here. The word says, This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and because his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life Because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That passage in 1 John becomes one of the uh, major themes of this book. And we've talked about that a few times already. This simple, simple command that is so very difficult to live out, like we are talking about earlier, of loving one another, right? This a simple idea that he presents to us in the Word. I, I want you to look in, in verse 11, because it talks about the message you have heard from the beginning. I mean, you remember the book of First John started with that which you heard from the beginning, which we, have, which we have heard, which we have seen in our eyes and touched with our hands. That was Jesus Christ, the raised son of God. And this whole book presumes you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the only way to salvation through God. And in this relationship, he says, this is the message you heard from the beginning, right? In verse 11, that we should love one another. As a matter of fact, the idea is that it's like an archetype. You know what an archetype is? An archetype is something that comes first as a pattern or a model for us to follow. Right, And so here we have this this text that says we ought to love one another. We ought to have this great joy to be together. We ought to be so excited for our brothers and our sisters. We ought to actually, what the word says is, be willing to die for them. And the trouble with this passage, if you're like me at all, is that these things don't seem to come. Not, not as easily as you'd like, not as readily as we would like. We seem to, to not be able to live out this command that we heard from the beginning. So it says here, the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another, love each other, right? And then it says this in verse 12, don't be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And so if you know the story of Cain and Abel, you're probably like, yeah, I totally remember that story. But if you don't know the story, I want to read it together. It's not that long, but it's actually interesting because it's at the very beginning. If you look at just where we're at in the Word this morning, you know, kind of all the way toward the back here. And we're going to go all the way to the front, to the book of Genesis. And I think it's, like at the, I think it's page three. So, if, you know, it's really, really close to the beginning, this first brotherly relationship that is broken in some way. And and what the word I want to remind you we go back there what it says this is it says, don't be like Cain. So so here we have Cain as the ultimate bad example of how to be a brother. Genesis 4 is where we're going to read from chapter, starting in uh, verse 1. <coughs> it says Adam laid with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And let's be the firstborn. Listen to what Eve says. Shout out for moms here. With the help of Yahweh, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Right? So, right away, I want you to notice there's a similarity to what we talked about last week, where you have this firstborn, firstborn son of all creation. And and she says, I'm going to call him Cain because I brought forth a man with the help of God. But the next thing that happens is she has Abel, his brother, right, his little brother. And it says this, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, right? But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. I, I want to stop right there for a second. I, I want you to kind of get the image of what's happening. You have a, a big brother who is born, and life is good. And Eve is amazed that she could bring forth a man. I mean, think about that, right? The first lady to give birth. What do you think is happening in the middle of that experience? (laughs) You know, it doesn't look like birth at all, um, if you've been there. And right on the heels of this, she has her second born. So it becomes something that's normative. It's not a one-off. And then in the middle of this, these two young men grow up to do different things. Completely different things. And what the word says, it says that when Cain was doing things, he knew this Yahweh, he knew this God, and he brought back his offerings to God. And in the same way, it says Abel went to his herd and brought back offerings to God. Read it again with me. In the course of time, over some time, Cain began to bring some fruits of the soil as an offering to Yahweh. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock, I want you to see at this point that everything is good. You know, brothers are still loving each other. This is good. This is what it goes on to say. The word says that Yahweh looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And so Cain was very angry. And his face was downcast. Now, I don't want to spend time in the word that's not productive this morning. And so I want this to make some sense where we're at in 1 John. We talk about this thing that we found, the salvation in Jesus Christ that we found that has changed everything. But one of the things that John says repeatedly is if it doesn't change your relationships with your brothers and sisters, it's changed nothing. The word says if you claim to love God but don't love your brother, you're a liar, And there's no truth in you. And so this is a fundamental truth that we find, and it happens at the very, very beginning of the story of man with these two brothers. And so God looks with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain, he does not look with favor. And so I want to say that Cain gets angry and his face gets downcast. And and the reason I want to stop here for a moment is because I think that this is what the antithesis to 1 John what you see where it says, love one another, you know, abide in me, walk like Jesus did, and love one another, the exact opposite is what happens with Cain. You see, Cain is the ultimate bad example. Cain isn't living right with God, and there's two signs here, and I want to spend just a minute talking about them because I think that I see him in my life, and it's really unsettling for me. Here they are. It says, Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but there are days where that just wells up, that you just feel, you know, something ain't right, and you lash out at people for the wrong reasons. There's no good reason for it, and you know it. And so I want to say that rather than looking at these things like, oh, what do we do? I want instead to try to do what I'm trying to do, which is look at him as a sign from God to say, wait a minute, something ain't right. If on a normal basis you're seeing anger come up in your life, if as a normal, normal mode of operation, your face is downcast and you're, you know, this po- just think about the posture that you have here. I want to remind you, this is a story of brothers, the firstborn brothers of all creation. And they're both doing work that God's called them to do. They're doing their thing. But somehow, when Cain senses in his own heart that he's been cheated, he's been wronged, It's not fair. It's not right. He begins to get angry. And he begins to get downcast. The ultimate bad example. You see, now this doesn't sound bad yet, does it? Because you're like, that's kind of like me. That's, That's how, you know, I get those days. I want you to see just like, I want you to see how the whole word of God is so consistent in the way sin works in our life. Because it starts with the stuff that we excuse away, like, I oh, "I'm just a little angry, that's all. Oh, I'm just not feeling good, that's all. It's lies. We're deceiving ourselves because we're not living rightly before God or our brothers. Read on with me if you would. So Cain was angry and his face was downcast. This is his countenance, the way he looks, the way he's walking around. And God himself came to Cain and said this, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, Will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, listen to what God says to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must master it. You know what that sounds like to me? First John. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. There are just opportunities where sin is just waiting, just waiting for a chance to break out in our life. And I don't mean we're like perfect. High holy rollers I mean look at us We're a mess But there's something In the redemption story of Jesus That it's not continuing in sin It's not continual sin And that the truth is That we are called to master sin Through Jesus Christ That we should see it That it's not going to spring out And launch And make a total mess of everything Which is why we can see anger And downcastness As a sign Of something being wrong If you're just there right now You got time The whole world hasn't gone nuts, even though you can talk yourself into that. But if you live there and dwell there, the Lord says that sin is crouching at our door and it desires to have us, but we should master it. Now, right from that conversation, from the God who made his mother and his father, from the God who knew them intimately, Cain turns, and this is what it says. He says to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field together. Now, this could just, you know, seem so innocent. I mean, this is the place where he works every day. He's going to go out there and take his brother out for a nice stroll. But that's not what happens. The word says it, and while they were standing in the field... Cain turned and attacked his brother Abel and killed him. He killed him right there. Do you watch the news? Do you watch the news? I got to tell you, I watch the news and it's depressing. And you know what I find myself asking repeatedly when I watch the news? What is going on? How could somebody do that? How could you act that way? You know what happens when I go to the grocery store? I see people and I go, what is going on? How can we act that way? You know what happens when I'm at the dining room table? See you guys, yeah? And you hear it come out of your mouth. And you go, what is going on? How could we act that way? And at that point, we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ that we can thwart sin. We can confess it and be free of it and say, God, I don't know what that is, but I don't want it. It's not glorifying to you and it's not good for your people. And we can be transformed to the gospel of Jesus in that moment and the truth of what's going on in the news is the world is broke broken and lost if there were solutions to be had we'd have them and we continually turn and let this sin pounce and kill one another. And that's what it says. Cain just turned in this moment. You can just feel it in the text. And all this stuff pours out. And he takes his retribution on his brother for us. Perceived slight by the God who made them. And I want to wrap up right here. We're going to stop in verse 9 and go back into 1 John. This is what happens. He kills his brother dead. And Yahweh, the God who never gives up, the God who never gives up on his people, he turns back to Cain, his creation, and he asks this question, where is your brother Abel? Now, I want to make a comment this morning that I think God knows full well where Abel is. You'll remember Abel is the one that he had favor over, his beloved. And whenever he was murdered senselessly in that field, and later on it says the field soaked up his blood, God knew what had happened. And he asks Cain why he wants to change his heart. And he says, where is your brother Abel? And and Cain replies with this question that happens on page three of our Bibles that I believe is a setup for the entire rest of the book, the entire gospel of Jesus Christ, the entire, everything that's going to come after it. Cain says this, I don't know. What am I? My brother's keeper? Can you hear your kid saying that to you? Where's your brother? It <laughs> ain't my day to watch him. <laughs> the whole rest of the book says, yes, Cain, you are your brother's keeper. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. And so whenever we hear this command in 1 John, it sounds so impossible to live out, and it is impossible except for Jesus Christ. There is no way we can do this rightly. Love our brothers. It says, love each other and don't be like Cain. <laughs> don't be like that. Don't let that sin spring up and take you. Look at what it says with me. It's, it, go back to First John if you would. Put back there. It says, don't be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. John even gives us a reason. Why did he murder him? And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. We're going to see this connect right through here in 1 John. I'm so excited to see it because This idea of continually sinning, of being so unaware of how completely lost we are, is a condition we have before Jesus. But John says that after you meet Jesus, he won't leave you there in this cycle of sin and brokenness and lostness and hopelessness. And he will give you warning signs to say, wait a minute, what's going on with you? And why did he murder? Because his actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. There is something inherently in righteous activity and righteous behavior that evil despises. Sin can't wait to try to take it out. The gospel says that it can't happen if you know Jesus. Verse 13, read with me. It says this. The word says... um, don't be surprised then If the world hates you You see there's a connection right here Because I don't know if you're like me at all You know But you have this You're not going to be like the bad example Right And then and he talks about this um, The motivation of Cain That his, his actions were evil But his brothers were righteous But then this last thing here Look at the Lord Turn off some lights for us That's cool That, that it says Don't be surprised When the world doesn't want you to succeed Have you ever, I I can tell you repeatedly in my story with Jesus Christ, and thank God he doesn't quit on us, he doesn't give up on us, he keeps loving us into his kingdom because the truth is that there were so many times where the moment I would get the seed of the gospel in my life, the moment I would start to understand it, start to believe it, start to live it, something would come and steal it away, and that's evil. That there are forces that love to rob us of our joy and to take us away, but we have a savior in Jesus that does not quit, does not quit. The good news is that you've you've gotten a relationship with Jesus. You will be saved. He will not quit until you're saved. The work is hard and it will be ongoing for us. But the truth is that we will be saved. In the meantime, though, there will be times where you're going to start anew and you're going to go like, today's a new day. It's going to be different. I, I felt something. I knew something. I heard something. I sensed something. I prayed over something. I know it, God. I know it's you. And the world will hate it. The world, remember we talked about before that whole system of brokenness apart from the relationship with God? Can't stand it because it's not righteous. And just like Cain and Abel, when the unrighteousness sees righteousness, it wants to destroy it, it wants to remove it because it can't stand it. And so you will have those times. The quote that comes to mind is that every time I try to get out, They drag me back in again. I've never said that before. Every time I try to stop that, I get dragged back into it again. I want to say that there are forces that are working not for your good in your life. But Jesus is trying to save you. We're going to wrap up here as we roll through these last few verses. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. Look at verse 14 with me. We know then, he says, that we have passed from death to life, Look at it. From death to life. Because we love our brothers. So in other words, if, if you want to know, am, am I growing in Christ? We keep saying this. I, I, are we seeing this fruit? If we are loving our brothers. If we, are, if we are dying to our brothers. Then we know that we are growing in Christ. If anyone, anyone who does not love... Remains in death. There's no transformation. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. So there's this truth. Now I want to get very specific for a moment, and I don't know what it is in your life, but there have been times where I've felt that sin crouching at my door. I have and I don't know what it is in your life that's working against what God wants to do in your life, but I can tell you it's there. And it's waiting for opportunities. But you have to give it that opportunity. You have to turn to it. And I remember so distinctly when I was having a, a, a struggle. And I was praying over a, a situation that I was facing. And I was really, I mean, I'm not, it's not for you guys. Not for a show. Internally, like, things were really upset and wrong. And I could feel it. And I knew it wasn't of God. And I knew it wasn't glorified to him. And I turned. And you know what he did? He opened this word to me right here. This one today. Love one another. Don't be like Cain. Because it's evidence of your destruction, not your salvation. Whatever that is for you, I pray that you're listening to the God who is saving you. You know that you have passed from death to life. If you love your brother, if you see this coming because of your relationship in Jesus, you know you're being saved. The last thing here, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer <laughs> has eternal life in him. And there's no way that one who kills and steals and destroys has anything to offer, offer us. So when we love our brothers, and even when we see those warning signs, it's a sign to you of your life in Christ. That's what it is. And when you feel yourself wanting to hate your brother, but something in you, your spirit, God's spirit living in you, won't let you go there and redirects you towards love, and you think, that's crazy. I can't love that person. I want you to know today that that's God transforming you to be like His Son, Jesus. And as we watched that clip earlier, the, the thought that came to mind is that brothers don't kill. Brothers love. That's our mark. There's the old song that says, they'll know we're Christians by our love, not by our other stuff, not by our church we go to or, you know, our bumper stickers or our clothes or whatever it is, you know, not by our parents' faith, our love. So where do we see this ultimate example of love? This ultimate show of what it looks like is in verse 16. And this is what John says, and this is how we know what love is, what it is exactly like. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God himself, laid down his life for us and therefore we should lay down our lives for our brothers. Jesus becomes the ultimate antithesis of Cain. Where Cain looked at a brother who had God's favor and hated him and let it dwell up in anger and in downcastness and then killed him and murdered him. When Jesus looked at the unrighteous, as one who was fully righteous, he didn't despise or want to kill. He showed love. You see what I'm saying? It's the exact opposite of what happened with Cain and Abel. The love that Jesus has for us is the exact opposite of the way Cain felt towards his righteous brother. Instead of a murderer trying to kill the living, Jesus is one who saw the dead and died so that we could be new. It's the exact opposite. And this is what love is. Love is the exact opposite of what Cain did and what so much of you you and I do every day looks like. In Jesus, we find that the righteous one, the righteous one dies willingly for all the unrighteous to have life. And this is the gospel of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying that there's nothing else that can save you. There's no other way. And in this time, whenever Jesus, unlike Cain, would have been able to rightly say, they are disgusting, they're despicable, they're hopeless, they're useless, they're broken, they're flawed, they're screwed up, they keep doing the same stuff, I can't stand it. Instead of him casting us off, he reached down and he loved us. Do you ever want to have a brother like that? You have it in Jesus. We all have it in Jesus. So today, we're going to do something that we do here at Family Bible. And this, I want to explain what's happening. This is our communion this morning. And we're going to receive this gift from God. And when we do it, we remember that Jesus sat around the table with his disciples the day before he was going to give it all up for the unrighteous, the day he was going to lay it all down, the word says he became sin for us. And so as they gathered around the table and Jesus broke bread, he gave thanks to his Father in heaven, and he told his disciples to take it and eat it, and every time you do it, remember my love for you. And then it says he took a cup after supper and he raised it and he thanked God for the cup and he said, take it and drink from it and every time you do, remember me. And actually the gospel of John says that after he had broken the bread and gave it to his disciples, the truth that we find is that the moment he dipped his hand in there, he he dipped it in with a sinner named Judas Iscariot who would try to undo the very work of God. Today when you come to receive communion, I'm going to invite you to come with two thoughts in mind. The first is what are you bringing to God in your life? You remember Cain and Abel, they worked and they brought things. And I'm not talking about family Bible church. I'm I'm talking about the God who is, who lives, who breathes, who exists, and who loves you. What are you doing in your life that you're going, Father, this is for you. This is yours. You're so good to me. I want us to think about that this morning. And the second thing I want you to think about is what are we doing when we look at a brother or a sister and we hate them? Because of their offering to the God who made them. Jesus doesn't want us to live like that. That's why he died for us. So I'm going to invite you to come forward as you feel inclined. This is not family Bible church's table. This isn't magic juice and magic bread. This is a table that was prepared thousands of years ago by Jesus to remember him. And so I'm going to invite you as you feel inclined to come down and to dip in in the cup of Jesus and to receive this. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, if you've never prayed the prayer or taken the walk or said the words or whatever it is, that today is a day you can do it and you can do it by receiving communion. You can do it from where you're at by just praying and saying, I don't know what they're doing with this table stuff, but I want to be right with you. Join me as we pray. Father, today we come humbled by your word and overwhelmed by your presence. We pray today that you would be working in our lives to bring us into right relationship with you. We know that we've seen this in Jesus, and we know that he said it's for his disciples. And so we pray today, Lord, as we come to your table and we put our hands where your hands have been, we pray that you continue to make us holy and righteous, and blameless in the sight of our Father. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our life. We pray today, Lord, that there are sins that need to be thwarted. Your gospel would work there. If there are relationships need to be restored, your gospel would work there if there are holes that need to be filled, your gospel would work there. And may this table today be a table of celebration of the mighty work that you are doing in our life. We thank you, give you praise and glory and honor because of what you've done for us. Amen.